All right, so ladies and gentlemen, we're back here on the show. I'm Terry Lynn with my co-host, Travis Marziani, and he is on the road right now. So what's going on, Travis? I just got out of Bangkok. I was there for about a week. I met up with a lot of different really cool people. So that was a lot of fun. But I'm currently in Singapore, and I got here last night, met up with some more cool people last night. And even tonight, I'm going to go to a, a Dynamite Circle Junto little meetup thing and going to invite some of the people from the Build My Online Store crowd out to that. So I'm excited about that. And last thing is like Vietnam soon. So I can finally get to meet you, Terry. Yeah, I don't think people don't know that we've never met before. Uh, I had someone in Singapore send me a message. Like, oh, I didn't know you and Travis never met before. And yeah, this is kind of funny. So and we've been co-hosting for what, a couple months now. Yeah. It'll be your first time meeting. Yeah, we're talking on Facebook all the time. Like obviously talking you know, via Skype for these all the time. So it'll be, it'll be cool to finally meet up. Anyways, uh, so let's get into this episode then. So the inspiration of this episode was when you were traveling uh, to go on the road, and I was like, oh, where are you staying at? He said, oh, I'm using couch surfing. <laughs> and then I gave you a lot of crap for using couch surfing. And so it kind of grew into a topic where how we all have different values of things that we're willing to spend on too. So I guess, I guess since we're starting off with couch surfing, what's your idea with that? And what do you value in there that you wouldn't get in a hotel? Sure. So just to be clear, I actually never ended up finding someone in uh, Bangkok to do couch surfing. But in South America... I was couch surfing constantly. And the cool thing about couch surfing is it's basically like you have a tour guide. You get to have the local feel. They show you around. Like I usually would buy them dinner or something like that in exchange. But you actually get to live in a city rather than just staying at a hotel and you know taking pictures like every other tourist does. So it's a different feel. And that's true because then you're going to need to find out where you got to go to anyways in a new city. Which doesn't make sense. The only thing is, I was worried, like, is it like a bunch of weird people that want to host people? Or, and I, I guess, like, for girls, there's like a safety issue if you get like these weird weirdos that want to host girls. Yeah, I mean, it can happen for sure, but I mean, you have to use your intuition. And I, at first, I didn't really think too much about it. I had, like, in Peru, I had a lot of guys that are like, hey, come stay with me. And I was kind of like, well, I'd rather stay with a girl just because I don't feel awkward about it. it it's something. In South America, I usually would stay with girls, and I was surprised that they'd let me stay there, but the one time I stayed with a guy, turns out he was into guys, and it was an awkward experience. Like, he, I mean, he definitely said a couple things that were, he was a nice guy, don't get me wrong, but there's a couple times where I'm like, all right, well, this is a little weird. Well, for the girls, it would be weird, too, because like, they'd have to worry about some random creepo. I guess then you would be like your profile, your communication, that you're a normal guy. Exactly. I mean, you can tell. It's, it's the same thing. I mean, you can say the same thing about a lot of different stuff, but really, I've, I know I've talked to a lot of girls that do the couch surfing and you have two options. You can either just stay with girls as well, or if you stay with guys, you can tell like within five minutes of meeting anybody, I believe, are they kind of weird or, and, and there's, there's a difference between kind of weird and like, oh, all right, this guy's going to murder me in his sleep weird. Right. Yeah, exactly. I guess, I guess it's like, do you believe people are fundamentally good or just kind of that thing too? Yeah, and I was actually talking with someone last night about this. And a lot of times when you go couch surfing, you'll meet your host. They'll give you the key to the place and be like, all right, well, actually, I got to go to work. Um, enjoy. And there's a lot of trust nowadays. And part of it too, I think, is because with the internet, like let's say something were to happen, you can it, – it's easy to track where you were because there's all these messages and stuff. It's like, oh, this person was staying at this person's house. Well, obviously, 
you know, this is what happened. Or if I were to go to someone while I'm couch surfing and steal some of their stuff, which I obviously would never do, they'd be able to track me down because we've messaged back and forth. Yeah, and you're Travis Marziani on the Build My Online Store podcast. Yeah, everybody knows me. I'm super popular. So uh, that's kind of the genesis of this episode. And today we're going to talk about kind of the things we value paying for or not paying for. And I think a lot of this changes whether you're like an employee, you're new start, new startup, or say you even have like a million dollars in the bank. Like I think this stuff is always changing in some ways. And so for us, uh, this episode is going to kind of explore what we value, what we don't value, and things that uh, along those lines. So I guess let's start off with what things that we would pay for. So what, what what's something that you would pay for? Recently, I started buying a lot of conference tickets. So I'm going to a couple different conferences. And I'm not actually, interestingly enough, at least I haven't yet bought any conference tickets for e-commerce. I've only been buying tickets for YouTube uh, video makers, VidCon, and podcast creators. And I have, I'm going to two different ones that are for podcast creators that I'm really excited about because it's a time to network, it's a time to learn new things, but truthfully for me, the networking is probably the bigger aspect of it. Yeah, so why podcast video instead of e-commerce since that's your core business? I feel like I have the e-commerce down pretty good. I can obviously improve, but it's not what I'm really interested in doing at this point. I think that I think the e-commerce business is at more or less the point that I've wanted to get to. And I've told myself for a long time, if I can make $200 a day passive income, I'm going to be happy. I want to move on to my next project. And I'm right about there. And I don't feel like I need to necessarily go balls to the wall and meet a lot of uh, e-commerce people. Let's put it this way. I know that I can continue to make my e-commerce business successful. I have no doubt. Now the podcast thing, that's different. Like podcast is something new. It's exciting. It's interesting. If in the future I realize, Hey, I want to make more money. I can always spend more energy towards the e-commerce business. But I also, you know, another side note is with the e-commerce business, I know what I need to do next. Like I already have a lot of ideas that it doesn't seem, it's not a high priority right now for me to spend a lot of time going to conferences, meeting new e-commerce people. But all that being said, it's also because I don't know of any e-commerce conferences happening anytime soon. Not like the ROI, but the interest level to put more effort into your own store isn't as great as trying something new. Yeah, and I have a long list of things that I know will work to improve my business. I kind of don't want to learn more because something I find is every time you talk to new people, they're like, oh, you should do this, 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 and this. Like if you talk to an email marketing expert, they're like, what? How come you're not spending hours on your email marketing? You talk to a YouTube expert, they're like, what? Why aren't you spending hours on your YouTube marketing? And I kind of want to just work with the pieces I have right now. And then once I run out of ideas, then it's worth spending the money to find new ideas. So something I pay for, uh, I also do conferences, so we'll kind of skip that. But I think uh, books, something I started valuing. So I used to be really cheap with books. Like I think in high school, I hated reading. You know, like college, I hated reading. And then after that, when I started leaving my job, I started feeling like, hey, like ultimately the knowledge you get, the more you can assimilate, like the more it can change the way you think and you change how you act and then change kind of the things you do. How do you feel about audiobooks? Uh, I used to do them, but then I stopped. I used to have this audible, like $10 a month, $20 a month thing. And I used to like the narration of the authors, unless they were the real authors. Like that was the thing that like Seth Godin, he, he narrates his own books, which is good, right? But if it was like, Malcolm Gladwell, and it was some like you know cheesy old white guy doing the very fake narration. Like, I just can't stand it; it puts me to sleep. So, 
even like at two times, I just, I just get sleepy. Too. Yeah, I love audiobooks. That's my thing. And so it's even harder to find audiobooks torrented than it is like PDFs or whatever. Um, not that I recommend anybody go torrent stuff because it's probably not very legal, but I highly recommend it. Alrighty. So uh, next, uh, what else do you pay for? You have one-on-one meetings here. What's it? Yeah, so the reason I had this is for a long time, I undervalued meeting people in person, getting dinner, getting uh, you know coffee, whatever. And I would always kind of fixate on, oh, I don't want to go out to dinner with this person because it's going to be $25 or whatever. And this holds true even for friends. It doesn't necessarily always have to be a business thing. Now I look at it differently. I mean, I don't recommend doing this all the time, but there is the book Never Eat Alone. I, I believe that's the name of the title. And it's all about how you should always be out networking with people. And you never know, like, you never know who you're having lunch with that could potentially help you or how, how the person you're having lunch with could potentially help you get to that next step. And I've met people, you know, randomly that are like, Oh, you know, my son is actually an internet marketer and you know, maybe you guys could connect and then we do. And it's just really cool. So my advice is basically spending the money for the dinner or whatever that kind of thing is, is a hundred percent worth it. It's, it's not about the dinner. It's about, that conversation and that networking opportunity. I always thought the book was like, hey, if you're eating at a restaurant, just sit with some stranger or what's the premise of that? No, it's, it's not it's not bad at all. But it, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, a, the title doesn't really have a lot to do with eating, but it's basically just a book on networking. And I guess the biggest tech takeaway I had is don't think about what you can get from people, but like constantly be thinking about how you can bring value to someone. So if you meet somebody and they're like, you know, I'm really struggling with this and you think to yourself, oh, I have a friend that could help you out with that. Don't hesitate to do that. And basically, it's kind of like a little bit of the karma of if you help people out and you're constantly thinking how you can help people out, they'll want to help you out for sure. Yeah, I, I think the point I really just want to make is for a long time, I undervalued human conversations. And I think sitting behind a computer working as much as I do now, it makes me realize even more that even if it's a conversation that you think, you know is never gonna turn into a business opportunity, there's something just so revitalizing and good about having a conversation. And of course, you don't know where it could you know, lead to. Yeah, one thing that I wanna modify on this, since this was one of my points too, is that I feel like there's also an impact of the group size you're with. Like if you're with like 20 people, but there's no way you can have a good conversation. It has to break down into like three or four groups, right? And then, then you can have better conversations. So I think like there's a max where I'll usually hang out, not like a maximum, but I prefer to hang out with like groups of like less than five or six people, just because if you're gonna help people, you can get deeper into conversations. Whereas if you have like 40 people, it's just like, hey, how are you doing? What are you up to? Like, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. Oh yeah, oh cool, all right, see ya. And then you end up wasting like an hour or two hours doing that. So are you talking about like a dinner or just like a, a group of people meeting up in a room kind of thing? I, I think both. I think just anything less than six people, I feel like you can get more quality conversations. In I think though, I mean, if it's dinner, for instance, I find that I usually only talk to the people like sitting around my table. And the thing is like these things, you never know when you're going to get a good tip from someone too. So sometimes you just got to go in blind with this. Oh yeah, all the time that happens to me. I mean, I think I've talked about it here before I interviewed the guy from Real Men Real Style on my podcast and afterwards he's like, yeah, you need to raise your prices at least 10%. I did and thanks to him, I have an extra 10% profit every uh, every week, you know, every day. And what's funny is his niche is has nothing to do with yours in some way. He's like, yeah. it's like a men's 
fashion consultancy. You're just like a dancewear store. Like, there's, there's like not much relation. Exactly. And I, you know, I never, I never would have dreamed that he'd be giving me advice that would lead to better profitability, but it's just like, he knows the industry and he knows internet marketing, which I didn't realize when I started interviewing him, but and there's little things like that that happen all the time. One of these things too, you can't expect someone to give you a tip too, like what you were saying earlier, right? Because you just don't know. I mean, you go on that angle, usually the interactions or the relationships don't end up going too well, I think. Like when pe- like I think people have a good sense of when you want something from them and when you're being genuine. I think especially in this day and age, people are getting a lot keener on that too. I don't know if it's with social media or like just people are getting smarter, but... I feel like it's a human intuition on the people can pay. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So speaking of Antonio, your third point was clothes, uh, that things that you would pay for. So what's the story with this one? Yeah. So I'm trying to, I mean, I'm not great at this, but I'm trying to get better at spending money for quality clothes. So I recently bought a pair of jeans that were like a nice designer pair of jeans after a lot of back and forth. I, I talked to a lot of my friends that are girls and I'm like, you know, is it worth it to pay? And I paid 200 bucks for a pair of jeans. I'm like, is it worth it? And finally, uh, one of my friends, too, had the argument to me, like, look, at, you're an internet marketer. As an internet marketer, what do you do? You split test. So what's $200 on a test? So I decided to buy a nice pair of jeans. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's that big of a difference, but I figured it's worth spending the money to have something quality that when I wear it, it's like, okay, I feel good in it. That being said, my $9 V-neck t-shirts from Target are still my favorite shirts, and you know, I just bought a $5 pair of shorts that are like board shorts here in, uh, or actually it was in Bangkok. And I love these shorts. I'm not going to wear them out to a nice event, but they, they serve a function. So it's something I'm trying to, when I go out in public venues, I'm trying to present myself in a slightly better light. And I'm not saying anything too over the top fancy, but it's like, if I have the choice between um, a crappy polo from Target or like a Lacoste polo. It's like maybe it's maybe it's worth it to spend a little extra money and feel and look better. Like the thing with clothes is that it's a reflection of your image on yourself too, in some ways, right? Like if you look at the way hipsters dress, they wear these you know glasses. They're trying to be countercultural or whatever. Or like in the '60s when people wore like I don't know bell bottoms or whatever, right? It's always like a reflection of your identity. So it's like as you change into a more mature business guy, like how do you reflect that in your clothing is kind of the underlying theme. Yeah, and especially for me being a younger guy, I get a lot of people like, you know, when I go into the air, uh, like airline lounge or like the executive club of my hotel, they look at me like, what the hell are you doing here? And when I'm dressed nicer, I don't get that same kind of like, what the hell are you doing here look. Yeah, like you wear like the cafe lounge in like board shorts and sandals and flip flops. Which I totally do sometimes, but and so, you know, I don't blame them because sometimes I don't really care. Sometimes it's like, look, at, I'm kind of tired. Uh, you can look at me however you want. But that being said, uh, it's something I'm trying to work on at if I'm going out into the public areas to get a little bit more respect. And a friend of mine actually said, look, look, I don't care about the designer brands. I don't care about any of this crap. If I could pay, you know, 300 bucks for a magical plastic bag that made everybody respect me more, I would do that. But that's basically what clothes are. For me, uh, things I pay for is tech, actually. I didn't realize this until I just thought about this earlier. So everything I have since 2011 has been an Apple product. Um, before, I used to use PCs, things like that. And I realized that uh, PC stuff, I would always replace it every two, three years. Is, or things would just break a lot easier. And then ever since I switched to Apple, things just kind of work a lot better. And I know you just switched to a MacBook 
uh, air recently. So I don't know if you have an experience with that. But basically, like I like how everything works together, even though it's more expensive. Like the Wi-Fi connects itself. Uh, everything talks to each other. The Bluetooth just seems to work seamlessly. And I think, especially like with tech stuff, what we're doing, like I think it makes sense to invest in better equipment just because we're on it so much and your income is so dependent on it too. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about this because for a long time I fought the Mac type of the Apple scene, everyone that's really into it. Because I mean, yeah, I, I was like, I was like that too, like pre 2011. I like, so I will say I just had a problem with my laptop and that was kind of what spurred me into finally getting the MacBook Air. But my last job, they gave me a MacBook Air and I liked it. Like I, I hated Macs before that point, you know, never trying them. But then when I finally got one and I was using it for a while, specifically the MacBook Air, it's so light. It's so, the battery lasts like forever and it's just a good quality thing. That being said, I'm not like an Apple fanboy by any stretch of the imagination. Like I have my MP3 player is a Sony Walkman or something like that. And I think it's better than the, the iPods. I think it's a lot better. I think, yeah. And I, so that was my longtime problem with Macs is that I felt like you could get the same power for a lot cheaper using Windows. And I think you can, but it does, you're right. And I hate to admit this. It does seem to just work a little bit better with the Macs. Like things just are a little bit cleaner. Though I've been having a little bit of problems with my MacBook Air, so maybe I should wait to talk about that. Yeah, no, certainly without question, you can get better power. Like if you were still playing computer games or whatever, like I would get a PC just because you can build your own system, you can have a better hardware, things like that. But I think, like since I don't play anymore, it's like oh, I just need my laptop to work. And I think there's some like the UIs in the Mac, like some things are just more intuitive, like PC, you have to find like drivers, things like that, update things here and there, you'd crash a lot. I, I feel like Macs are just a better OS. Yeah, well, I've, I had someone tell me, it's like, you know, and, and this is how I used to be, and I'm still kind of in that in-between phase, but I was hearing from someone that they used to love to tinker with the computers, they wanted, you know, to play around with everything, change the settings, blah, blah, blah. But now, as they're getting older, they just want it to work. They'll pay extra, just like, just have it work. I don't want, you know, they don't want to deal with it. And I can see what that kind of mindset. All right then, so let's move on to the next one. Uh, next stuff is stuff that uh, we don't pay for. So um, things to be cheap on. You have coaching. Yeah, so this is something I currently, so this is, it's an interesting topic for me. Because I know a lot of people spend money on coaching, like, you know, hiring some kind of coach. And it's something I'm interested at, maybe at some point in the future. But I don't think I'm at the point yet where coaching makes sense for me. And I'm talking about, like, you could also call it, like, consulting services and stuff like that. But I know a lot of different people I've talked to have coaches. And I'd love it. I'd love to have, like, a mentor, if you will. But it seems a little, I don't know, weird to spend the money on it. Yeah, especially, I think... Coaching results, you never know what they are going to be. You're, you're paying for the mentor's expertise. So I guess like if Mark Cuban was like, hey, Travis, pay me, you know, 2K a day to be my coach. Would you pay for that if money wasn't an issue? I mean, if money wasn't an issue, my, then I wouldn't even need Mark Cuban. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, that's the weird thing. Uh, I, I totally see the value in it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not at that point yet where it makes sense, I think, for me because I know what I need to do. So let's put it that way. Like I have, a, like I said before in the episode, I have a long list of things that I know for the business I can do to make them successful. I have a long things I can do to make the podcast successful. And I think coaching can serve one of two purposes uh, or consulting, if you will. And it's one, to help you get up off your ass and do it. Or two, to figure out what you need to do next. And I definitely see value in it. And I'd love to, 
I'd love to do it at some point in the future, but right now it seems like I have the motivation and I know what I need to do. It seems a little redundant to pay someone to tell me that. Well, it's just you haven't found the right coach that gives you the right value. Let's put it this way. I am at, I, I think it'd be cool to find someone who isn't looking for money because I imagine the kind of person that's successful enough that I'd really respect, money's not their top concern anymore. Just in the way that like, I've, I've talked to a lot of people from the podcast. They'll call me up and be like, hey, can we talk for you know an hour? And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Let's Skype for a little bit. And I'm not telling every single one of them like, oh, you need to pay me. Though I can understand why someone would have that attitude. It's just, I would like to have the level of connection with a coach, if you will, or a consultant that were cool enough that they're not like, hey, money's the only reason I'm here. So it's more like a peer friend type of thing is what you're going at. Yeah, like the mentor. Like that, I mean, that'd be cool. All right, cool. So let's move on to the next one. Uh, for me, I hate paying fixed costs. Uh, cell phone contracts, car payments, uh, anything monthly that you can't get up just because I feel like you get stuck when you're in that situation. So things like rent, you kind of save that unless you own the house and things like that. So taxes, kind of things like that too. But I feel like everything you should try to do, you should try to avoid fixed costs just because I think the burden it puts on you in like the headspace, you know, it's kind of bad. But I don't know, what do you think? I, I can totally understand where you're coming from. That being said, as I talked about on the last episode, I'm trying to move back to LA, which means a lot more fixed cost, car, car insurance, health insurance, whatever. And I find that I found for me personally, and you know, maybe I'll change my mind once I get there, but the, the opportunities, I just got to look at it is the, it's a, almost an investment. So all that, if you lump uh, the, the fixed cost of the phone, the car insurance, whatever, all together, is that amount worth living in a place like for me, Los Angeles? And I think yeah, the answer is yes, at least as of right now, but who knows, we'll see. Yeah, but the thing is, if it's not, then you're fixed with that, which is what I don't like. I think there's some things in life you just have to f pay fixed, but I mean, especially like in this nomad community, no one likes stuff that's fixed. So like we, we get our phone contracts, you just buy a number when you need it, it's like 10 bucks. Uh, if you need a car, you just take a taxi or Uber. And, yeah. And rent is like month to month. There's like really no long-term contracts here or like leases too, which kind of gives you more flexibility. I guess like you said, like, you know, if you were to go to the U.S., like in New York, there's no way you can escape certain costs like these too. But then the flip side does come with some better connections, things like that. that you yeah. I was going to say that also freedom. Like, so you're talking about like a car, for instance, it, and I thought about this in LA, just taking Uber all the time. But I'm like, you know, if I have a car, I can drive up to San Perito where I'm from. Valencia, or I can, you know, it's a little bit more uh, freeing. And part of it is also like a social stigma. Like you can't, um, can't really pick a girl up on a date in an Uber, or maybe you can, I don't know what it's like anymore. So I think, I think when you say freedom, there's a catch side where you're not going into debt for that freedom, because that's another form of... Oh, no, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into debt. I'm talking about if I have enough, have enough capital to be able to spend on that, you know, but like I was saying, yeah, it's, to me, it's, uh, almost an investment, all that money that I'm going to have to spend extra to be in Los Angeles versus being in, let's say Bangkok, for instance, I think I'm going to make back in quality of connections and to be honest, quality of life. I living in Bangkok, it's cool. It's novel, but that's the problem. It's novel. It's, it doesn't feel like a long-term thing I can do. Yeah. I think it takes a certain mentality to want to live 
in like a Southeast Asia for like years. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I maybe some point in the future I'd want to try it out again, but right now I've been doing uh, South America is relatively similar, and I just uh, I'm ready to to pay that fixed cost. Yeah, like I think my long term plan is that look, U.S. six months out of the year, nine months, and then three months you're somewhere else bouncing around. I think because I feel like. Like living in the U.S. forever, like it's not a good solution either. But you know, you kind of always want to travel. So how do you balance that? And I think it's just having two, three hubs in the world. Like maybe like Berlin during the summer, and then you know Asia during the winter, and the U.S. for the rest of the time, or something like that. Or I don't know. It could be different for anyone. But I think that's probably where things are trending, especially if you can be location independent too. Yeah. No, I see. I have a different feel. I at this point in time, I'd like to stay in one city for a while, maybe like six weeks, go and travel, get away from it, but. I kind of want a routine. I've been hopping around so much that I haven't woken up in the same bed for over, I mean, three months is the longest I've been in any one spot. So it'd be nice to be able to get into a routine. I'm more productive when I'm in a routine, you know? Yeah, I think that, I think that speaks for everyone too. I think a lot of people like to think they can be productive on the road, but no, no. Just try going to like the right cafe with the right internet, with the right table. And maybe it'll be too noisy that day and you can't get anything done and good luck with that buddy <laughs> yeah it's a headache Alrighty, so uh something that you don't pay for um yeah so what i'm talking about here is i remember especially when i was at work like doing my last job everybody would go out to lunch every day and it just blew my mind because not only are you spending more money for food it's usually a crappier food too and i the one thing i could see is the benefit so I know Whole Foods has some like healthier options where you can go just pick up the food, whatever. But I've always found it worth it to spend my money on quality food, don't get me wrong, but cook it myself. And the one argument I can see against it is the time it takes to cook it. But I think a lot of people will go to like a, a Chipotle, for instance, which isn't super unhealthy by any means, but still... I think you have a lot more control of your food and it's a lot cheaper when you make it yourself. Yeah, like the time prep, you had to buy the materials, your vegetables, you had to prep it. But then like, you know, you can try to hack it with four hour chef, but it still takes time too. And I guess depending where you're at too, it may, may or may not be worth your time too, right? Because it's also the quality of your food you make it. I mean, yeah, it's better quality materials, but will it taste as good? I don't know. I've, I guess I've gotten a system down pretty good and I find that you can get a lot more vegetables when you make your, if you go to a restaurant, Usually you're not getting a ton of vegetables, especially here. I don't know how it is in Vietnam, but everywhere I've been traveling around Asia, it's a ton of rice, some meat, usually not a ton of vegetables. Certainly if you want like your, if you want to like get like a good dose of vegetables, you have to do it at home. Oh, unless you just get a salad. But then even then the salad is just like a tiny bowl. And another point actually I want to add is that when you go out to eat, you really don't have as big a sense of portion control. You kind of take whatever they're going to give you. Where when I make something, I know, all right, this is all I'm making. This is all I'm eating because that's really the only option. So if you go to like a, now like the Whole Foods, which is I think probably one of the better options, I think it's a lot easier to kind of take some extra, extra food, get a bigger portion. Yeah, because, oh, here's a big strawberry cheesecake and you just kind of have to eat it and you have no choice, right? Unless you have the discipline to be like, all right, I'm only going to eat like, you know, two inches of this and then I'm done with it. Which is hard, especially in your like social situations. Oh, well, you're not gonna eat your cake? Like, oh, here, like just eat it. Or like you get peer pressured to order certain things too, right? Yeah, I used to do that at my last job. I I'd eat way healthier than everybody else, but they'd always kind of like make fun of me. But then, but you know, individually they'd come to me like one by one and be like, "Hey, any tips on how I can eat healthier?" And I'm like, "Really? 
you laughed at me last night when I split my dinner in half because it was a huge portion. Well, you just made them feel bad for eating too much. Yeah, ex exactly. And that's what I finally realized. Is I'm like, wait a minute. Each one of you guys individually come up to me and ask me how you can lose weight. But like when you guys are as a whole, you think I'm crazy. You talk like I'm such a weird person. But I guess, okay, let's tie this into another point. So one thing you mentioned earlier was that you value one-on-one -on -one connections. But what if someone's like, hey, let's go to Chipotle? Let's say, let's say a normal meal for me would cost you know, two to three dollars to make, and that's probably about right. In Chipotle, let's say it costs ten dollars just to keep it a nice round number. And usually the answer is yes, uh, but I see is it worth meeting up with this person? Is it worth seven dollars? Would I pay seven dollars to have a conversation with this person? And usually it's yeah, usually it's worth that extra money to hang out with the person. It's not about the food. I mean, you know, it's great to have some uh, tasty food, but I'm kind of at a point where to me, the most important part of the food is how it makes me feel and how like healthy it is rather than how good it tastes. I mean, there's exceptions. Obviously, you know, if I'm going to a new restaurant while I'm in Bangkok, I don't care about how healthy it is. I just want to taste something really delicious. It's what's the value of this connection. And there's times, you know, as much as I was talking earlier that, you know, it's always worth it to go out and meet with people. But there's times for sure where there are probably certain people in your life you want to spend less time with. So, so I guess... When you value a meeting, like say at seven dollars, do you change the food you order when you're there, or do you just get whatever? Like you just the rule just out the window. It's accepted. yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't change what I'm getting. It's just I used to kind of be like, oh, let's just meet up and I'll have a water and I'll watch you eat. And <laughs> that's, that's really weird too. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I ever actually did that, but I constantly wanted to be like, uh, I don't want to buy this food because it's not worth it. But it's like. It's not about the food. It's about the social acceptance of. It's like the it's the it's the social ritual of hanging out. With yeah, it, it's hard to tell someone like, "Hey, let's just hang out at your place and have water." It's like, what? No, it's like you almost need to the, the money you spend. That's the reason a bar can charge ten dollars for a drink. It's not it's not about the drink. It's about the fact that it's an excuse to hang out with people. Right, so when you come here, I'll make sure not to uh, you know watch you eat and drink water. <laughs> You know what? We're only gonna have water. Um, I'm not paying for any meals. One thing I don't pay for is image and impulse-driven purchases. So one thing I used to do when I was still working was like you'd get like you know expensive alcohol at a club or like junk food, or you'd spend money on like luxury brands. And I realized that I used to do that because I was unhappy and it was a way to fill that emptiness I had inside. And ever since like I left, I was like, oh, like why do you need to buy that? I can I can see why people buy it now, but I don't let myself get influenced by that anymore too it's like oh if you want to spend something nice all right sure go ahead be happy but you know i'm content with what i have now. yeah and some of the stuff so for instance i don't spend money on bottle service but i can see the value every once in a while is not it's not about it's about the experience you do have a different experience if you go to a club and get a bottle than if you're just the random guy in the corner yeah i think there's a difference buying it when you have like five or six friends together you want somewhere to sit down you know instead of like being in the crowd rather than buying it to like show off. Like, I think there's a difference there. Yeah. Whereas like the latter is, is like, maybe like when we were younger, we would do that, but now it's like, oh, come on, come on, buddy. Well, the ironic thing about luxury is that the value gets derived from the lack of value. So if, so if you look at like a Ferrari, would you drive that in the streets? Like it's not, the gas mileage sucks, right? It's like nine gas miles per hour or something like that. Ex expensive car, you only have limited edition, expensive to repair. But then it's because of that, that is valuable, right? That's why people take pictures of a Ferrari when they see it. Which is why like, I think when you see a lot of like these budget luxury things, it doesn't really work because essentially 
it's not the same thing. Like when you say it's the same thing but cheaper, no, it's not the same thing. It's actually a value play. It's not a luxury play, and it's like you're kind of like tricking yourself in some ways too. Is what I realized the past year. So so it's like imagine if if Lamborghini sells their cars for 50k, like a Toyota Camry, would the value still be there? Probably not, right? And there's a reason why it's like 500k for a Lamborghini because people that can spend 500k for a Lamborghini want to be known that they can do that, and that's where the value comes from which is its lack of value too which random side note here in singapore uh like a camry or a corolla type car is a hundred thousand dollars so yeah because the license plate they have restrictions on that too. yeah which i just thought was a really interesting thing i was told so like a a hundred thousand dollar car here would be like five hundred thousand dollars and i heard it's something like not quite as bad but similar in australia where like a mercedes-benz in australia is like three hundred thousand dollars so it's kind of interesting how it changes depending on where you are too. Yeah, exactly. The utility and the local laws, things like that. But also, I guess, like the values of different societies. Like you look at like the U.S., like say whole organic eggs or people that will pay like six, seven dollars for that. Right. But here is like no one would even make like the average guy in Vietnam makes like one hundred fifty dollars a month. Like there's no way you could pay for organic food. Right. But it goes to like your value system and what you see as your own image too in some ways that you're willing to pay for. Alrighty then, so I guess that's it for this episode. Uh, we kind of talked about some things that we would pay and we wouldn't pay for. I guess as you've changed too, I mean, maybe some of the older guys in our audience would know too, as maybe when you have kids, suddenly the things you value would, would change too, like education, food, uh, housing, things like that too. So certainly this is kind of from our perspective here, uh, not a one size fits all thing, but I think interesting thing to think about as you get older, as you get more mature uh, on the things that you value and the things that you don't value too. So uh, that's it for this week. If you have any comments, leave it in the show notes. This is episode 138 and we'll catch up with you guys next week. See you guys later. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at buildmyonlinestore.com. If you got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other. So if this sounds like a cup of tea, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com slash mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.